Vision and values, being generous. As Tim explained last week, the current Cranmer Group sermon series is Vision and Values. If you didn't hear his sermon last week, you can access it on the Cranmer Group website or request a printed version from Tim. His sermon sets the scene in the vision statement as printed on the Harvest Holy Communion leaflet. And for those of you who do not have cited the leaflet, allow me to read it to you now. Quote, we are one growing community of disciples who seek to love Jesus, one another, our villagers and God's world. Tim explores what love means to us as Christians and how we might manifest it in our discipleship by way of the values. So as we follow Jesus, we seek to be prayerful, joyful, hopeful, welcoming, generous and courageous. Today, as we celebrate harvest, it is clearly appropriate for us to reflect upon and think about seeking to be generous. I know that when it comes to the word generosity, the first thought of for many people in whatever sphere is this is all about money, pounds, shillings and pence. Or for those of you who were born after we went decimal in February 1971, pounds and pence. If you were born after that date, and I doubt that applies to anyone here today, you may need to ask your parents what a shilling is. The point is, of course, that being generous is about more than just money and wealth. Generosity takes many forms, some very tangible, others intangible. Harvest is a very obvious, tangible example of being generous, as many a gardener knows. My neighbour opposite has already invited me to to pick some of their apples when they're ready, and another neighbour called in with some raspberries for me on Thursday. Similarly, I have been distributing tomatoes to them. The abundance of all this fruit is part of God's generosity to us, and we rightly seek to demonstrate this value by sharing with our neighbours, in the widest sense of the word, sharing what God has given to us. And as we saw in the invasion of Ukraine, the generosity of people both here and in other countries, taking in Ukrainian refugees was and may still be a very tangible act of generosity inspired by the generosity of God to ourselves. The intangible aspect of being generous is often seen in the selfless care, time and energy one person offers to another. I'm sure you can think of times when someone has been generous to you or you generous to them. During the COVID lockdown, I think this came to the fore in important and significant ways. And in some places, that generosity has become permanent. One might even venture to say that the only good thing about COVID 
was that it reminded us all to be generous to our neighbours. We can also be generous in our words of encouragement. Uh, well done or a thank you can mean all the world to someone who, are, who might otherwise be ignored. Having said all that, my earlier reference to financial generosity should not be diminished or dismissed because quite often supporting a charity by a financial donation may, for many of us, be the only way we can help, the only way we can demonstrate generosity. Whether it be a one-off donation in response to a natural disaster or a regular gift to support and maintain, say, an agency working with vulnerable people, or providing funds to respond to the needs and care of our planet. Many of such organisations are charities, and thus rely on the generosity of the people. In the UK, our government considers charities so important that the tax law supports charities through the gift aid system. Nowadays, using the word charity implies generosity and compassion, but in truth, it is an act of sacrificial love. In the King James Version of the Bible, those famous words of St Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, most often heard at a wedding or funeral, read like this quote, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In contemporary language, the Greek word agape is translated as love rather than charity, which makes more sense to those unfamiliar with St Paul and the Bible in general. It is love, including compassion, which inspires us to be generous. And since God is love, our generosity to our brothers and sisters mirrors, or should mirror, God's generosity to us. As Tim reminded us last week, God's greatest act of love was his generous gift of his son for our salvation. That link between generosity and love might not be obvious to some folk, but it is a given for anyone who seeks to follow Christ. And that means we have a responsibility to be clear in our own minds about what and who inspires our generosity and why. And at the same time, acknowledging that link in the generosity we receive from others. I was given a bouquet of flowers recently as a thank you for some support I had happily and freely given to someone. The generous giving of the flowers was an acknowledgement of my giving of my time. It has been my experience in many, on many occasions that generosity breeds generosity. In God's economy, the more one gives, the more one receives, whether it be flowers, fruit or a heartfelt thank you and well done. An atheist or humanist may just see generosity as an expected human characteristic, which in itself is not a bad thing. 
But I do wonder where the motive or inspiration comes from and how generosity can be maintained if it is an expectation only rather than a given. But what I do know is that where there is greed, exploitation, cruelty or oppression, there is no generosity. There is only self. So if we seek to follow Jesus, being generous is a given. And it begins with God's generosity, first and foremost in his love to us, shown in the gift of his son. But if we need some other examples to help us understand the nature of being generous, we have only to look to the Bible. In the Old Testament, we are familiar with the stories which tell us more of God's generosity. For example, God's promise to Abram in Genesis that he would have as many offspring as he could count stars in the sky. And in the desert, the Israelites escaping from the slavery of Egypt and looking for the promised land were fed with manna from heaven in the morning and quails in the evening, enough to feed them all. Recognising when we have received generosity is key to us being generous to others and recognising the opportunities afforded to us to be so. In Psalm 65, David celebrates and praises the generosity of God. In the first half of the psalm, we hear David say of God, You who answer prayer, you forgive our transgressions. You are the hope of all the ends of the earth. These are some of the intangible acts of generosity. Can we be generous in praying for others, in the knowledge of God who has answered our prayers? Can we be generous in forgiving those who transgress against us, in the knowledge that God has forgiven our own transgressions? Can we be generous in offering hope to others in need, in the knowledge of the hope we have been offered and received? In the second half of the psalm, we hear God's tangible generosity to us in his provision. Verse 9, you visit the earth with, the, with water, you greatly enrich it. You provide the people with grain. And verse 11, you crown the year with your bounty, your wagon tracks overflow with richness. That last verse has stuck with me for, for many years. And today, Harvest Festival, I'm reminded of it again. I first heard, properly as it were, that particular verse at a deanery event. A member of the deanery generously offered his extensive gardens to us to have a picnic, followed by an act of worship in the parish church next door. Dr Christina Baxter, whom some of you may know was the principal of St John's Theological College at Bramcott, was the guest speaker, the guest preacher, 
I should say. She drew our attention to the richness of this psalm and what it says to us about God's generous abundance. In particular, she mentioned the verse I have just read to you. When we celebrate harvest, we celebrate the abundance of gifts. This abundance is reflected in those words, your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The imagery is that the wagon is so full and overflowing that the weight makes the tracks in the ground deep and obvious. This verse and the rest of the psalm provide us with a wonderful picture of harvest abundance as David recognises God's generous nature. And we see this again in the feeding of the 5,000, probably one of the most well-known of Jesus' miracles. God does not do things by halves. Some people have suggested that this could just have been a story of a picnic, like uh, like our deanery one, which I should say was a bring-your-own. It was a picnic at which people shared with each other, shared what they had brought, swapping a cheese sandwich for a slice of cake, sharing a bag of crisps and so on. As a moral story about sharing, it reflects the generosity of individuals, but ignores the place of God who inspires that generosity. As followers of Christ, we all know that when we have a bring and share lunch at church, there's always lots left over. I don't think that's down to bad catering. It's being generous to each other because God is generous to us. So at harvest time, the only thing left to do is to say thank you to God for his abundant and generous love to us and commit ourselves to be generous in response. Amen.